0: Well, we got some more testimonies that were coming in uh, this afternoon, so always good to get those. Uh, I always appreciate the the people who are willing to tell us while we're here versus waiting because I was just too shy and didn't want to say anything in front of anyone. And uh, so it's always good to share those things because, like remember, like testimonies are good because it inspires other people's faith, encourages them, and so... We're always endeavoring to get those, and especially if you're one of the courageous ones and you're willing to share those by video. We love those because we use those for social media. We use those for TV stuff because I found that years ago, it's it's one thing for me to share what I've seen, and and there's a whole lot more validity when it comes from you because people look at me or look at pastor or other ministers and like, well, they're just preaching. But it's a totally different uh, take when it comes from you because now it's coming from someone's relative, their neighbor, their co-worker. They actually trust the person sitting next to them more than they do the person standing (laughs) here when it comes to those type of things. And so uh, we very much go after those when we can get those. And uh, I I told you about the the girl, I think I told you about the girl this morning who she's been dealing with the rash for like 10 years all over her body, and she believes in these things, and she's been to, to lots of different meetings and done all kind of different stuff, and been to the doctors, and nothing was helping, right? And she says she just got to the point, she got so frustrated, and so she started doing some of the things that we were talking about. She went through our healing academy, and she was reading some of the books, and uh, each week we do this thing called healing talks on Tuesday night. And I, I love it because it gives me a chance to talk about some things that, Um, maybe I've just been kind of chewing on the last few days just some thoughts and and maybe some things I couldn't talk about in a church setting but can talk about there it's kind of a safe place and and, uh, and because it it comes down to this you know I pastored for 15 years and so uh, I don't take it lightly when I get invited to come to other people's church and speak to their people uh, it's a very humbling thing and yet in that very same respect I'm very very careful to make sure I'm not going to say or do anything that would cause any issues. Yeah. You know, you want to bring growth. Yes. Come on yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want subtraction to take place yes. because you were there. You want growth to take place, yeah. Yeah. and uh, so I'm, I'm very intentional and very cautious of that because being on the other side of that for 15 years. Yeah. And so when I have these things that are going on, it gives me a chance. Our healing talks, and we do a monthly podcast. It gives me a chance to talk about some things that. Uh, I couldn't necessarily talk about it in a, in a church setting because it might be a little bit more kind of on the edge, but we can talk about it from that place because that way you can't, you can't blame the pastor or something like that, and you get mad you blame me, but there's nowhere for you to run, so. <laughs> and so, this girl, she'd been watching these, and we've been talking about some things, and she said, I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop paying attention to the rash which sounds like a crazy thing to do because it's there I mean it's it's there, it's been on her body for 10 years she, she's been to the doctors, medications, pills, everything and she said, I stopped just paying attention to it and she said, I started doing uh, what you had talked about as far as using our imagination and, and seeing ourselves like an IV hooked up to God You know, if you've ever been to the doctor or been to the hospital one of the first things they do, they hook you up to an IV you know, you get got that bag there, and that fluid is just drip, 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 drip. And she said, I started doing that. Instead of doing all the things I would normally do, she said, I just started doing that. And, and, and she said, over a period of a couple of weeks, she said, one day I looked down and realized the rash was gone. And she said, honestly, I can't tell you when it left. Now, I can tell you a, a story about myself, too, and... And there's a reason I told you that particular story because of some things we're going to talk about tonight. But there was an issue with me. I, when I was going to Bible school, uh, I had gotten into a really bad car accident while, while I was training for the ministry. Oh man, it was like all hell broke loose. It was the two worst years of my life when I was going to Bible school. Everything was great till I went to Bible school. <laughs> and I'd gotten into this real bad car wreck. And, and it was my fault because the Holy Spirit was trying to, to warn me that night and I just didn't listen. And anyway, I ended up getting this car wrecked and, uh, and it kind of caused some issues in my body. And one of the things I didn't realize at the time, but because of the impact that I went through, it actually caused my, uh, caused my right leg to be shorter. And initially it didn't cause any issues as far as my back, but over time, your, your body starts compensating, you know, your spine starts turning a little bit, muscles start moving, and over time it starts to cause pain and issues and so I remember by this point we, we had started our church, we were pastoring our church and like I would, be in, I would be in such great pain before the service started I'd walk up on the platform, I'd get to go on, not hurting a bit as soon as I finished and took a step off that platform, oh, it's there and I'm standing out in the lobby and I mean I am in, I'm in such pain I'm fighting back the tears, greeting people, saying hello, you know, doing that, that you know, hold the baby all that type of stuff <laughs> <laughs> doing the pastorly thing you know, and, and then sometimes I would act like I was just so tired I needed to sit down while I'm talking to people because I was in such pain but I didn't want to go to the doctor and so Lacey finally convinced me to go to a chiropractor and so I went to a chiropractor and they did an x-ray and, and the chiropractor said well I can tell you why you're, you're in such pain uh, your right leg's shorter than the other and it's caused your spine to be curved well that made me mad because by that point we're seeing lots and lots of miracles it ticked me off, because here I am preaching this, talking this, and seeing results, and then here's me doing this. And she said, well, there's nothing that we can really do, um, but she said, just put a heel lift in your shoe. Well, that made me even more mad, because I didn't want to do that. And But my, my, my right leg was, if I remember right, it was about a half inch, three quarters of an inch short, so nothing like serious, but it was serious enough that, you know, it's causing me to, to be short. And so I, I debated for a while. I didn't want to wear that lift in my shoe because I felt like a hypocrite. Preaching what I'm preaching, teaching what I'm teaching, and I'm walking around with this thing hitting, you know, just being real with you. And uh, and so a couple weeks went by and I started wearing it and it started helping me out a little bit. And, uh, and, and at this point, we had also seen several short legs and short arms go out. I mean, like the one I told you about Uh, one of those times, last night or this morning, I I don't remember, it all starts running together. Which one was it? Saturday night. night. Okay, the girl with the the short leg, club foot type of deal. And and we'd seen lots of situations like that happen by this point. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in our backyard. Uh, This was in Texas, and it was summertime, so I'm sitting in the backyard out there, I don't have my shoes on and shorts, and, and I'm just sitting there reading a book. And I look down at my leg, and I can see that, you know, my right leg is shorter than the other. And it just kind of irritated me. And I remember I, I looked at that and I started thinking about all these short legs and short arms that we had, we had literally seen grow out in front of our eyes. Some of them had been, uh, you know, really insignificant. Some of them had been several inches. That was very obvious. Uh, we'd seen short arms grow right there. We'd seen all that stuff. And so I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, God, you did that in all those situations. You can do that for me, too. And so I put my hands on my, my right leg, and, and I said, Father, I thank you for your life, going into my leg and just making that, making that even. And I went back to reading my book, didn't think anything about it. About two weeks later, I'm, I'm outside in that same spot, outside in the backyard, out there in my shorts and, and, and barefoot and just reading a book. And I looked down, and I noticed that my ankles were even. And, you know, and so I'm sitting there, and you know that game you do as a kid, you know, you, you pull your leg back and it, 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 put it back, and it's kind of short, you shake it around again, and now it's the same length, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, maybe I was just, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I was one of those, you know, but I mean, it's true, if you sit there in a chair, and you bend your leg, and you put your leg out, it's going to be a little, looks like it's a little bit shorter, and you, you kind of shake it around, put it back, and the same. And so I was doing this to make sure I wasn't seeing something and they were even. So I run inside and I said, Lace, look at my legs. Do they look even to you? And she said, well, yeah. So then I ran into the bathroom, I pulled up my shirt, and I'm looking at my hips and now my hips are even where they were like this. And like, I realized at some point in those two weeks, it had grown out. Amen. But there was no all the stuff that I would normally was doing trying to get healed, like I kind of forgot about it. Right. And when that happened for me, and there were some other things we started seeing, and, and I started putting the, the, the puzzle pieces together, realizing, okay, may, maybe this, there's some things we've been calling a faith that it's actually really works, but it's just clothed in. And... Yeah. Yeah. So I want to show you some things tonight that for me, it was one of the greatest revelations for me several years ago, and we've been hammering on this and hammering on this. And, and, and from what we've seen, this, this thing that we're going to talk about right now, um, we have seen so many results come from it. Not just in me ministering to people, but in people walking in, grabbing a hold of this and walking in it for themselves and things happening for them in their bodies, by themselves, and yet also giving it away to other people too. Yes. And there's a reason we started off last night talking about our union. There's a reason that we start, we, we went this morning and, and talked about a change in perspective, but now I want to show you what you have. And, and we're being very methodical in this because um, we, we not only need the Word, but we also need the Spirit. Amen. Amen. There has to be both. You know, Kenneth Hagin used to make this comment. He said, if you're all Word, you'll dry up. And if you're all Spirit, you'll blow up. and 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 you look at the spirit-filled charismatic whatever you want to call it circles you basically have one one or the other you have people that are all just focused on the word 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 can't get anything to, to happen but you know we know the word and then you have people over here on the spirit side where anything's possible we don't we don't have any boundaries at all we don't have any real firm doctrine on it but man we're open to anything and what we're endeavoring to do is bring that together Yes. So it's the word and the spirit. Yes. yes, it's the word and the spirit, and that right there is where things things happen. So if you have your Bible, I want you to look at the very, very beginning, and this, we're going to talk about the life of God. Uh, Genesis chapter one. In Genesis chapter one, we find that God. We find that God is creating. But there's much more to Genesis chapter 1 in creation than just the birds and the bees and the trees. There's a lot in here about you. And in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says, God said, Let's make man in our image according to our likeness. Right? Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now you look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed life into his nostrils. The breath of life. And man became a living being. So right here you see that, that God created the body of Adam, right? He creates the body of Adam. And then he takes that body and he... And he puts his life, he puts life into that body. He puts his spirit into that body. You could say he put Adam into his body. And I want you to notice that the body is dormant. Right? There's no life to it until Adam gets into it, right. until the spirit gets into it, until life gets into it. And notice that when, when life gets in there, now the body begins to respond. So that shows you right here in the very, very beginning that God created the human body to be a responder to the spirit. Or you can say it like this, that the human body was made to, to respond to what's in it not the other way around in other words the spirit is the master the spirit is the one in control the body is just the slave and I also want you to notice that the body did not have to struggle to try to get that life to try to get God on the inside of it because God made the human body to be like a sponge for him notice there's no struggle there's no struggle Anybody ever seen Frosty the Snowman? Yes. Right? Any kids seen Frosty the Snowman? You ever seen Frosty the Snowman? All right. So remember Frosty the Snowman? He's just a, he's just a normal old snowman. Cold cop. Ply button nose. Two eyes made of coal. He's just sitting there, just normal little snowman. Until the super got on the natural, right? The little magic hat flying through, got it found off. The little magician finds its way on his head. And all of a sudden the super gets on Frosty's head. What happens? Happy birthday! Frosty became alive. Because something super got on him. Well, this is what happens with Adam. The body is there. Now, now, this shows you again. It shows you kind of how sin conscious the church is. Because we understand this on the side of death. That when the spirit of man leaves the body, the body is now dead. That's right. We understand it on the death side. We don't understand it on the, the life side, the beginning side that, that when, we understand that when someone dies was because they as a the spirit being left. And because they left, there's nothing there for the body to do. Well, that's how it started off in the very beginning. God made the human body to be a receiver of him. He made it this way. So, so God puts his life in, into this body. And then you see in Genesis chapter 3 that when Satan came, and we've talked about this a little bit, Satan comes and he tempts Eve. And she sins, Adam sins, and they die spiritually. And when they die spiritually, they lose out on the life and nature of God. Now, they're still physically alive, but they're spiritually dead. And it's at this point that you see sin and sickness and disease and poverty and lack and addiction and depression and mental issues. And all of these things begin to come. So Adam being the first Adam he was, he was kind of the prototype in the beginning of what God had for, for men. the way that he had he wanted and intended man to be. So to walk around not only in his dominion but walk around with his life and his spirit. Well the first Adam messed it up. Right? I mean he did it for a woman. Women will get you in trouble guys. <laughs> My son Jake he, he's, he turns 14 this weekend and and I told him, I said, Jake, man, watch out for those girls. And he told me, Dad, don't worry. He said, I'm not dating anybody until so I know I'm going to marry him because I don't want to waste my money on him. He said <laughs> He said, I'm not buying flowers, taking nothing out to eat, taking food. I'm not doing that unless it's going to be my wife. I said, that's a good boy right there. I said, I'm wasting so much money on, on girlfriends and stuff. And man. <laughs> so, look over at John chapter 1. And so, in John chapter 1, you see that the plan, the plan of God unfolds. Just for the sake of time, we, don't, we won't look at it. But you, when well, you look at the, the, some of the prophets of old and the old covenant you see them prophesying some of these things that God is going to do uh, with Jesus and restoring some things back unto man. And in John chapter 1 and in verse 4, it says this. It says, In him was life. This word life here is the Greek word zoe. Z-O-E. And this, this Greek word zoe, it, just, it very simply, literally means the life of God. The life that God is. The life that God has. The life of God. It says, In him was the life of God. In who? Christ. In Jesus. In Him was this life. And it says, in this life, it was the light of men. This scripture right here, I want you to to keep this on the shelf of your your mind for the rest of the night. Because it's vitally vitally important. You'll see it kind of like a thread that weaves all throughout the New Testament. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. It could not overcome it. So right here you see the plan of God beginning to unfold. That what the first Adam lost, Jesus as the last Adam is coming to restore. That what the first, what God put in the first Adam and and the first Adam lost it, God puts it in the second Adam, the last Adam, to get it back. Why? Because, and this is why we spent time last night talking about what we did. Because what God wanted in you, he put into Jesus. Amen. Because what he put in Jesus, because of, because of union, whatever got into him was going to get into you. Whatever, everything that God wanted in you, he put into Christ. So you see right here, the plan of God. Now how many of you, many of you grew up Baptist or went to a Baptist church and you learned the Roman road? There you learned the Roman road. So I was a church mutt. I went to a Word of Faith church growing up on Sunday morning. But then I went, to, I went to an Assembly of God church on uh, Thursday nights and I went to a Baptist church on Wednesday nights. I went to the Baptist church because I went there for youth and I went to the Assembly of God church on Thursday nights because I went there with some of their, their older youth because I like hanging out with the older kids. And, um, and then when I was in college, on Tuesdays, I went to the Baptist student union and then right across the street from them was the Methodist student union. So I went to the Methodist thing. I mean, I was a church but the reason I went to the Baptist Student Union on Tuesday is because they had free lunch. <laughs> and, I, I and I was starving I was pooped in college. You know? And so I would go to the Baptist Student Union on Tuesday. And then, but you had to sit through Bible study. And then you got to eat your food. And then, then on Thursdays I would walk right, literally about 10 feet across the walkway and I'd go to the Methodist Student Union, sit for the Bible study and then I'd get free lunch. And, uh, and then they always had free food on Wednesday nights at the Baptist church. And they had stuff at the AG church on Thursdays. So I was always going for food. But in doing that, I learned the Roman road. And, you know, and if you don't know what the Roman road is, it's basically a set of scriptures in the book of Romans that leads you can help you lead someone down the path of salvation. Well, what I began to find in the book of John was there was a road of life. Well, it was my term. I termed it. I don't know if I get any money off of it, but I call it the road of life. I don't know if you can trademark that. But I call it the road of life. And what you find is that this this little path that will lead you down this path to show you what God put in Jesus to put it, to, to put it in you. You see it start off with John chapter 1 and verse 4. In Him was life, and this life was the life of men. This is the, the initiation of this plan of God. And if you look at John chapter 5 and in verse 21... You see that Jesus He understands He is a a, a possessor of this life and a releaser of this life. Now remember we pointed this out last night that Jesus He's doing life as a what? As a man. He's not doing life as God. Yes, he is God, but he laid aside his godlike abilities and he humbled himself and came to do life as a man. And he's doing life as a man. He's praying for the sick as a man, he's ministering to the sick, he's raising the dead as a man, he's he's doing what? All the miracles as a man. And as a man, he is growing in uh, his understanding of things. As a man, you see that right there, people don't like. But in John chapter 5 and verse 20, he makes this comment. He said, the Father is going to show me even greater things than these, just so you would marvel. Just so you would go, wow. See right there, Jesus is showing you as a man, he doesn't know it all. (coughs) Now think about that. It's actually actually very calming to me. It, It helps me out right there Jesus shows you he doesn't he doesn't know it all he's walking this out he said the father's gonna show me things I've never seen before just so I can do it so you would go wow see it shows you uh, kind of a little rabbit trouble it shows you still even with Jesus it's still about fellowship still about fellowship you can know all the scriptures you can know all the things to do and say it's still about fellowship still about hearing and seeing from God as to what to do in a given situation he goes on to verse 20 he said for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them even so what does that that little phrase mean even so he's in the very same way to the very same degree even so the son raises the dead and gives life and notice this phrase to whom he He whom he wants whom he wills well you can't give away something you don't have right I can't give it away Pastor's Harley it ain't mine I can't give it away now if he gave it to me now I'm in a position I can give it away because it's mine I'm a possessor of it I'm a possessor of it and you know if he wanted to give it away to one of you he doesn't have to ask anyone's permission because it's his Now, notice this. Jesus, as a man, anointed by God, filled with God, united with God, he says this. Even so, in the very same way the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son raises the dead and gives life to whom he will. How is that possible? Because in verse 26, he says, For as the Father has this life in him, even so the Son has this life in himself. The same life, the same substance That the Father has. He says, the very same substance I have. And I can give it away to whoever I want. He said I can give it away to whomever I want. And obviously this lie has a direct connection and correlation with raising up the dead. He said in the very same way the Father has it, I have it. In the very same way he can raise the dead and give life, I can do it too. And he's saying this as a man. Anointed by God, filled with God, united with God. Right? You with me so far? Yeah. So the first little step is what? John chapter one and verse. So the pa- so Pastor Tim, the only one who's paying attention. John chapter one and verse what? Four. Four. That's your first one. The second one is John chapter five and verse twenty-one and twenty-six. All right. So the next step you find over in John chapter ten and verse ten. Very very familiar scripture. Yeah. And Jesus says what? He said, the thief has come to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would go to heaven. No, No, he doesn't say that. He didn't say the whole reason I came was to take you somewhere. He said, the whole reason I came was to give you something. He said, I came to give you something. He said, I came to give you something. something." How could he come to give you something? Because he had something. He was a possessor of something. And he could give it away. Come on, he's showing you right here. And this is something, this is something we teach in the, the, the foundational piece of our heathen Academy. You see that Jesus understood his position. He understood his possession. He understood his purpose. Come on, he understood his position. He's one with the Father. Because, he, because of his position, he had a possession, the life of God. And because he understood his possession, he also understood his purpose to give that life away. To give that life away. He didn't say I came to take you somewhere. He said I came to give you something. I came to give you something. What did he come to give you? He came to give you life. He came to give you life. What type of life? The same life that God himself has. What type of life? The same life that that Jesus himself was a container and carrier of. He said I came that you would have it too. Came that you would have it too. Well, then if you look at John chapter 17, this supernatural prophetic prayer that Jesus prayed, we looked at it uh, last night. And in John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23, Jesus says, I, I not only pray for those that are with me, but also all those who will believe in me through their word. Right. And he said, I pray that, that they would be one father as you are one with me and I am one with you, that the world would know that you sent me. And he said, the glory that you gave me, I have given it unto Now, you're going to find where this word glory and this word life and also the word righteousness, man, they're like their best friends. Where you see one, you see the other. You're going to to see them come into play. He said, the same glory that you gave me, I have given it to them so that they would be one just as we are one. And then he repeats it again. He said, Father, I pray. Again, union. As you are one with me and I am one with them, that we would be one together, that the world would know that you sent me. So you see that right there in John 17. Now I want you to look up over at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to notice something that's said about Jesus. And we're going through this kind of quick. But I want you to notice real quickly. Number one, Adam lost it. So what does God do? What Adam lost, the first Adam lost, God puts it into the last Adam, the second Adam. Right? To restore it back to us. We see that Jesus as a man understands that he's a container of it, a carrier of it and that was in the very same measure the father has it he has it and he can give it away to whoever he wants whenever he wants yeah. see that right there friends is why you never find jesus ask god to heal anybody yeah. Yeah. you never see you see jesus say god if it's your will you never see jesus ask god to heal anybody. the closest you will get to it is when he stands before the tomb of lazarus and he gives a pity prayer for the people Because he says something along these lines. Father, I only say this for the benefit of the people. That they would actually believe that you hear me. He said, this is the the only reason I'm saying this. Because why would you have to ask God to give you something or do something to somebody if he's already given you the substance to do it? True. Right? Yes. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice what the Apostle Paul says about Jesus First Corinthians 15, verse 45, it says, So it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living thing. The guy that was in the garden. But it says, what? The last Adam became a what? Oh, this is a good one right here. He became a life-giving what? Spirit. He was a spirit that came to give what? Not to take you to heaven. Thank God you get to go to heaven when you take your last brother. Jesus comes. But he didn't come primarily to change your destination. He came to change your position and thus change your possession.
1: Amen.
0: He was a life-giving spirit. Life-giving spirit. So that shows you that, that not only what he came to do, but it also shows you that, that the life of God, it is a spiritual substance. It's something spiritual. It's something spiritual. A life-giving spirit. And in verse 47 it says, The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from where? heaven verse 48 and as was the man of dust so also those who are made of dust and as is the heavenly man so also are those who are heavenly well if you've received jesus as your lord and savior you were born again the bible tells us you were born of heaven jesus told nicodemus in john 3 talking about being born again he said you must be born from above well we must understand that you and i literally we are aliens in this world Come on, Jesus said in John 17, He said, Father, just as I am not of this world, they are not of this world. Why? Because we're not from here. We were born from somewhere. And He said, Father, as you sent me into this world, I send them into this world. Well, to be sent into a place means you have to come from somewhere else. And see, your origin is a major piece of your identity. Come on! How many of you identify with the area code or the zip code or the state, the country? You know where you're from. I'm one of those arrogant Texans. We think we're better than all of you.
1: <laughs>
0: Have you ever met some of those Texans? Yes. Yes. I mean, they just think they're better than all of you. I'm one of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just embedded in us. It's in the culture, and the DNA of Texans. Like you, you, you're just told it in school. Even though we lost the Alamo we still count it as a victory. <laughs> we still count it as a victory because while those people were sacrificing their lives in the Alamo it set it up for Sam Houston to defeat Santa Anna. It's still a victory. We still won. We still see ourselves as better because we're the only ones, we're the only ones that were asked to join the union. We didn't beg. We did the union a favor. <laughs> and Texans are the only ones who can secede whenever we want to. That's
1: right, that's true. Yeah.
0: We don't need you. <laughs> we've got the oil, we've got the gas, we've got oceans, we've got forests, we've got mountains, we've got desert. We got it all. Lots of money. We could be our own country. We did the union a favor. That's why Texans think they're better than everybody. We're upholding the entire country. (laughs) But your your origin has a major piece to do with your identity. Where are you from? He said, I I sent you the very (laughs) same way he sent me. Right? He said, As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. You are those heavenly. You have to see yourself. If you want to know what you are like, you have to look at him. Yeah. Yeah. You have to look at him. And, and I know it's a, it's a major paradigm shift. It's a major change of perspective to, to look at the glorified Christ seated at the right hand of God. And you have to see yourself as he is. I mean, we, we make that statement as he is. So are we. Yeah, but what does that really mean? Come on, what does it really mean? What's possible? This has become my, 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 my favorite little phrase the last few months. What's possible? Uh, I, I know this little phrase, I know the Holy Ghost has been taking me down the path because we're, 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 we're endeavoring to expand our souls so we can, we can walk in a greater dominion. What's possible? What's possible? Well, however he is, that's what's possible. I have to see myself as him. I didn't say I am him. I have to see myself as him on the earth. I have to see myself like him in the very same way here so that I can manifest Him here. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. I am those heavenly. You are those heavenly if you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Whatever He has, I have. Remember, He's a life-giving spirit. He came to give you what? He came to give you life. You see it right there, First Corinthians. So very quickly we've seen that with that the first Adam lost, God put in the second Adam, right? And the second Adam, by the time we get to John 5, he understands he is a possessor of this life and that he can give it away whenever he wants to whoever he wants. And we see in John chapter 10, verse 10, he understands his purpose, his assignment on this earth is to give this life away. To put you in a position so you can have this life. So how is that going to take place? By changing your position, John 17, uniting you with him and the Father so that what's in him would flow in you. And then Paul is enlightening us right here in 1 Corinthians to let us know He came to give life. He's letting you know. If you didn't get it through the Gospels, here it is again. He came to give you something. Yes. And He came to make you like Him. Mm-hmm. So that's great and all, fine and dandy, but what does it actually do for me? What does it actually do for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look over a couple pages in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And Paul is going to give you some, some things here that, that maybe some of us have just kind of passed over and haven't really seen it. But I'm telling you, as I began to see these things years ago, as I began to see it, I just began to look at it like, my God, how, how is it possible that this has been here the entire time and we've missed it all these years? Because it's all through here. It's in the Old Testament and especially all through the New Testament and all these teachings here of Paul. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says this. For it's the God, is a it's a pretty wordy verse, but it's the God who commands light to shine out of darkness. Who shown in our hearts to get the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the face of Jesus Christ. The focus in that first part, it says, it's the it's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Remember in John chapter 1 and verse 4? It yes. says, In him was life, and that life was what? Light. Alright. So now remember in Genesis chapter 1, when God's creating the universe? What's the very first thing that he did? light be light what God released light yep. now that was not when he created the sun
1: right.
0: right when did he create the sun moon stars like what day three four people that are smarter than me when was yeah. that one of those other days yeah. right so, <laughs> <laughs> so but he, it's not when he creates the sun he said light be there was darkness, void, light being light. What was he doing? He was releasing himself. The Bible says God is light. The very, the very substance, the very thing that would be needed to uphold the universe, to, to cause creation, things to have life, he released it into the He released himself into the universe. And, and we have scientific proof of this because science tells us that the universe is still expanding at the speed of... So, I mean, I always encourage people, we talk about this, go out at night and look up in the, look up in the sky. And I mean, have, have you ever just, I mean, our little peanut brains can't even really fathom how, how, how massive the universe is. I mean, even with the technology that we have today, we still can't see toward the end of it. You know, we have to use formulas and all this type of stuff to, to calculate and everything. And I mean, they're, they're still finding different galaxies. I was looking the other day, I'm kind of a little nerd and... And i was looking the other day at some at some articles and stuff and they just found some new galaxies that they can't they can't necessarily see but because of people that are smarter than me they were able to find them but i mean the universe is massive and when you look up in the sky i mean you are seeing just a little bit of piece of it just a little bitty piece of it i mean even our galaxy is so big, you, you can't even look up in the sky and see the end of it. You can't even see all the, the, the planets at the end. It's like that big. And the Bible says that God, He, he released Himself into, that, into the universe. And science tell us for all these years, whether you believe it, it was 6,000 years or you believe it's trillions or billions of years, that the universe has been expanding and expanding and expanding at the speed of light. And the universe, as massive as it is, as huge as it is, it cannot contain him. Right. It can't contain him. Because it's just, it's trying and it's trying and it's trying and it's trying. And it's trying and it, but it can't, so it just has to keep giving way and giving way and giving way. His life. Look, read the next verse. Read the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Come on, guys. This right here will give you a revelation of who you really are. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What the universe cannot contain, you do. What the universe is struggling and fighting against, but just has to give way, it cannot contain it. I mean, the, the billions and billions and trillions of stars that are in the And the universe and and the planets and the black holes and and all the crazy stuff that's out there. I mean, all of that. And it still can't contain him. But you can. How is that possible? Because he made you in his image and he made you in his likeness. He made you to be a carrier of him. And he didn't give you just a little bit. Oh, brother, you know, you got to understand that, you know, Jesus, he, he had, he had the full measure of the Holy Ghost and so we just have a little bit. Oh, that's not right. Well, that's not right at all. Not at all. Jesus didn't save you just to help you a little bit. Yeah. He didn't save you and say, well, brother, I hope that helped you a little bit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because how can I do what Jesus did with lesser equipment? And then, I mean, let's just get real. Is the Holy Spirit a person or a thing that's just chopped up in little bitty pieces? How could I have a part of a person? Either you have the whole person or you don't have any of it at all. Did he mutilate him to give you pieces of it? I've got all of it. I can't do what Jesus did with lesser equipment. I have to have, At the very least, I have to have everything that he had. He's telling you right now what the universe can't contain. You do. You have all of him on the inside of you. You, you, you carry this in, in this earthen vessel. And he says that the excellence of the power would be of God and not of us. You Notice know verse 8. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Why? You cannot crush him. Come on. This right here is telling you all the things that are going on in the world. All these conditions, all of these circumstances that are out here, they may come against you, but they cannot stop you. Why? Because of what and who is on the inside of you. See, never confuse your condition with your position. Never look at the circumstances to define who you are and what you have. This is where there has to be this expansion of our soul. So we can walk in the, the, the dominion and, and increase dominion of what has already been made available to us. We have to understand who we are and what we have. How do we do that? We have to look at him. We're perplexed but not despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Notice this phrase, underline it, highlight it, that the life of Jesus would be made manifest where? in our body. that the life, so, so right here you see that this life, this life of God, it wasn't only to affect you as a spirit being, it was also to affect your body. But then you have the real religious people who say, well, Brother Chad, he's talking about your heavenly body. Because, you know, you get your real healing when you die, to go to heaven. At what point in, in our Christian society and world did did death become our healer? Right. Now think about this. Well, they, you know, somebody that had a sickness or disease or something, you know, and they died and went to heaven. Well, and people will say at the funeral, well, you know, they, they got their healing. When did death become my healer? How about Jesus was my healer. I didn't get my healing because I, I I left this body. I got my healing when I when I got born again. If you if you want to say you got your healing when you died, it's true. But which death are you talking about? That spiritual death that took place when I received, and not not when I left my physical body. You might need to chew on that one a little bit. I, I see some brains going. That isn't my healer. I don't need healing when I get to heaven. I need it in this body. Jesus is my healer. Right. All right, I'll leave that one alone. So, (laughs) let that one go. All right. So, so what is going on? So, right there, verse ten. People say, "Well, he's just talking about you know your your heavenly body." Well, then Paul must have been really smart, knew there'd be religious people trying to come against you, so he puts in verse twelve. I put that in verse 11. He said, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. Notice this. Underline it. Highlight it. That the life of Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal flesh. This flesh that you have right now, he's telling you that the life of God is to affect this right here. It's to affect this. It's to affect this. Not, Not when you get to heaven. It's to affect this right here and right now. It's to affect this right here and right now, the life of God, the life of this Zoe, eternal, and it doesn't matter what adjective is in front of the noun. Eternal life, abundant life, everlasting life, it's the same life, it's the same Zoe, it's the same life of God. No matter how you want to describe it, it's still the same life. And he said this life is in Jesus, and Jesus came to so you, could have this life, and not only have this life, but it's also to affect your mortal body. It's also to affect your mortal body. Now, it's interesting if you look at the, at the prior chapter, and we're being a little teaching right now, but there's a reason. If you look at the prior chapter in, in chapter three, Apostle Paul is talking about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Yeah. And he says that under the old covenant, he said it was glorious, but he said under the new covenant, it's much more glorious. And then he begins to talk about Moses and he says, talks about Moses and this glory that was, that was fading and it was passing away. Now think about the story of Moses when he was on that mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hanging out in the presence of God. He's hearing from God, seeing from God to such a degree that that life of God, that light of God actually got into his skin. To such a degree that when he comes down the mountain, he's freaking everybody out so he has to cover up his face. Why? Because he's shining with light. Now think about this. You have a man that's hanging out with God And the light of God that he is, this light, this light, remember in him was life and that life was the light of men. This light gets into his skin. But Moses said, it's fading away. It's passing away. Why is that? Because as soon as Moses left the source, left the presence of God, what got in him began to fade away. Right? Now, there's another man that we read about that his body began to shine. It was Jesus. Yes. And, and you know we read this story and they call it the Mount of Transfiguration. I doubt that's the name of the mountain, but it says the Mount of Transfiguration. And maybe smarter people than me would go really tell you the, the actual name of the mountain. But when Jesus is on that mountain, and, and, and Peter, James, and, and uh, John come up there and they see him, he's shining. And, and similar situation, he's hanging out with God, talking to God, and his body begins to shine with light. To such a degree, it not only gets into his skin, but it gets into his clothes. And his clothes began to shine too. And you see right here a comparison and, and contrasting of the Old Covenant, New Covenant. Uh, the Old Covenant with glory, but the New Covenant with, with a greater glory. The Old Covenant with a fading glory. The New Covenant with an eternal glory. Amen. Now, what was the difference between these two men? You have two men. Both of their bodies are shining. Both of them have been hanging out with God. What's the difference? With Moses, that light was coming from the outside in. With Jesus, that light was coming from the inside out.
1: Amen. Right.
0: And it shows you right here with these stories that the life of God, the light of God, was not only made to be a receiver into your body, but your body was also made to release it. You're a sponge. It was, it was not only made to, to come in, it was also made to go out. But here's the best part. That with Moses, it was a fading glory. Why? Because for, him to, to, for it to be in his body, he had to stay near the source.
1: Right,
0: right. With Jesus, it was eternal. Why? Because everywhere he went, he had the source. Yes. Yes. The source of life, the source of light, was on the inside of them. And it was not only affecting him as a, as a spirit being, it was also affecting his body. It was also affecting his body and it was getting into his clothes. Mm-hmm. And there is a reason that people just wanted to touch it. Yeah. People started figuring out, I don't even need him to pray for me. I don't even need him to give me a command if I could just touch it. Yeah. And, and I only need to touch his skin. I just got to touch his clothes. Because yeah. something on the inside, working on the outside. Anybody ever sing this song when you were growing up? I've got a river of life flowing out of Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, a oh, well,
1: splish, <laughs> <swiss>, splash. <laughs> down in my
0: soul. We sung that back in the 80s. You sing it in kids' church. But, but we didn't even believe what we were saying. Because think about what you were saying. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk, the blind to see, opens the door, sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well down in my soul. Spring up a well that makes me Spring up a well unto me. That life uh, God was trying to give it to us in a kid's song back in the 80s. <laughs> And us ignorant selves still can not figured it out after 40 years. <laughs> Jesus, he, he even talked about it. He said there's a, a well of salvation. Well of life. What's that well for? It's for you to dip down into. But then talking about the Holy Spirit, he says there's going to be rivers, living water. What's the rivers for? It's for the world. See, there's something on the inside for you, but it's also to flow out of you for the world. Amen. Amen. And, and it says over in Luke chapter 6, 17, that the multitudes were thrown. They were just trying to touch him for power was flowing out of it. You see in Mark chapter 5, the woman of the issue of blood. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be whole. And when she touched him, power flowed out of him. And he wasn't even trying to. Right? You see it right there. There's a reason that you see in Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. That when the apostle Paul says special miracles were happening. That handkerchiefs and cloths were being taken from him. And when they were put on the sick. That sick people were healed. And those that were demon possessed. The demons were cast out. Not because even even someone said a word. But because what got into the cloth got into them. See this life. It was meant to not only affect you. But also to be transferable. I can't tell you why God decided to make it transferable in a cloth. All I care is that it works. I don't don't need to know the, the science behind why it works. I don't need to know why that. But I'm telling you, it works. It works. It worked with Jesus. It worked with Paul. It'll work with you too. It'll work with you too. I mean, I can't tell you how many cancers that we've seen healed by laying our hands on a cloth and by faith releasing what's on the inside of us and putting it into it. I know it sounds a little sci-fi, sounds a little weird to some people, but I mean, it's scripture. And you either have to make a decision that it's true or it's not. And I just came to the place of there's some things in there I can't explain, I can't fully understand, but I know that it's there and I know that it's true. So I'm going to act on it, live on it. And get results because of it. Remember, in Him was life. And that life was what? It was the light. It was the light of men. He put it into Jesus. Jesus found out. He had it. He could give it away. He came to give it to you. How is He going to do that? Through His sacrifice. Death, burial, resurrection. Make us one with Him. So that what was in Him would get on the inside of us. Right? Paul's letting you know that this life of Jesus... Was made to affect your body. Not just take you somewhere. Right? He's showing you that what was in Moses. It was fading away. But what was in Jesus. Is literally on the inside of you. Remember in him was life. That life was what? Light. Friends. What was shining out of Jesus on that mountain. Is literally on the inside of you. This is why you are the light in this world. And this right here. I don't understand that the. the the stupidity of the church because we talk about this well, you know, the world's getting darker so that just means the church is getting brighter why do we have to get brighter by default? yeah why does the world have to to live more and more like hell every day just so we get brighter? what if we just started shining the light what if we just started being brighter so that they look darker? yes Like why do I have to wait on somebody to sin really bad just to make me look good? (laughs) But that's that's where the church is at right now. Because the church sure sure is not doing anything to to show the light, so to speak. In Him was life. And that life, it was the light of it. And the darkness could not overcome it. That's right. That means whatever is on the inside of you that lie, that lie. That means that what's on the outside cannot overcome what's on the inside. Kind of sounds like greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yes. Yes. Well, why don't you look over, you're, you're there in Romans chapter, or you're there in 2 Corinthians. Turn back over to Romans chapter 8. And this is a familiar scripture we mentioned it this morning. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And we mentioned verse 10, but I want you to see it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10, he says this, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit, your spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. In other words, because you were made right, you are alive. Because you're right, your spirit is now alive. We saw it this morning in Romans 6. You are alive unto God, right? Your spirit's life because of righteousness. Now, notice the connection. Life and righteousness, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give what? Life. life. Same word. Same Greek word. Zoe. Give life to what? Your mortal body. Again, here it is again. This life, this Zoe, this life of God was meant to affect your body. What's on the inside of you was not just to be a, like a trophy that you walk around and talk about what you have. It was actually supposed to do something and produce something in your life. Why? Because, here it is again, because your position changed, your possession changed. And this is, this is the reason we looked at some things this morning. Because my position changed, my possession changed. We didn't say it that way, but I did it on purpose. Because I, I'm righteous, because I'm forgiven, now I'm already healed. Because I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven, healing has already been given to me. That's right. This is another way of looking at it. The same thing. Because my position changed, my possession automatically changed. It was given unto me. It's a part of who I am. It's on the inside of me. Everywhere that I go, I'm a container of the life of God. And if I'm a container of the life of God, I'm also a releaser of the life of God too. I can release what I contain. And I can't run out of it. I can't run out of it. He said, He'll give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells Where? That means that this healing power that you need, this dead raising power, is not sitting up in a jar in heaven so you can try to figure out how to beg God to give it to you. That it's quite literally on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. What the universe cannot contain is literally on the inside of you. What the world is begging for and crying for, the solutions that they're looking for, is literally on the inside of you. Guys, the thing that the the church has been crying and begging and pleading God for is literally on the inside of you. It's literally on on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. It's on the inside of you. But the church has been begging and praying and fasting and saying, God... Give it to us. Give us this dead raising power. Give us this miracle working power because we love people and we want to see people set free. Father, give it to us. Give it to us. It's almost like we love people more than you do. Why don't you give us something to help people? And the church has this kind of warped idea today that we're waiting on God to give us something so we can reach the world. Like he's going to give us something extra special. But my question to you is this, and you don't even need... Bible necessarily for that, But my question is this. If God is a loving God and he's a just God and there was something that could, something extra helpful that would help people come to know him and receive him, what about all the millions of people that have died before? Couldn't they have used that extra something? That doesn't sound a little just. I mean, if there was something extra he could give me so I could reach people, well, that's not fair to the, the people who came before Why are you quiet? Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean like what the, what the church is praying today. You don't see the people in the book of Acts praying that. No. The people in the book of Acts actually believe that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was enough to turn the world upside down. Right. But then you look at what the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15 through 21. This is a prayer. I pray, I pray this over myself every day. I pray this for, for Lacey and Jake. I pray this over all of our ministry partners. I pray this every single day. Look at, what Paul, look at what Paul prayed. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 21. He said, Father, I pray for wisdom and revelation the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our understanding, their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know. And he said that these three things, he lists out three things. Number one, he said, I pray that they would know the hope of your calling. In other words, I pray that they would know the plan of God for their life, what you've called them to do. I pray that they would know that. Number two, he said, I pray that they would know the inheritance that you have in the saints. He doesn't say, I pray for you to give them this. He said, I pray that they would know the inheritance you have in the saints. And he said, the third thing I pray that they would know is exceeding greatness of your power. That's for us and in us who believe what you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seat him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, power, might, dominion every name that's named, not only on this world but also that which is to come. you put all things under his feet and given him to be head over all things to the church as the fullness of heaven filled all in all
1: huh.
0: <laughs> look at what Paul prays he does not pray and say God I pray that you would give them this dead raising power He said, Father, I pray that they would know they have this dead-raising power. Yeah. Wow. The church today is praying, God, give us this dead-raising power. Maybe the reason we're not walking in that dead-raising power is because we're not praying like Paul prayed. Right. Or maybe, let's just get real blunt, we're not praying scriptural prayers.
1: Right.
0: Right. We're praying religious prayers, but we're not praying scriptural prayers. Yeah. It sounds real good, it sounds real religious to sit there and cry and cry. Have tears coming down your eyes and snot running down your face. God, give us this. We need, we need this power so we can reach the world. There's a reason we're not walking in it because we don't know we have it. Oh, wow. In other words, let me just get real blunt with you about it. If you, if you don't have it, you need to get saved. If, if you need it, it's because you need to get born again. Once you get born again, he's telling you, you got it. Because how do I get it? I become righteous. How do I become righteous? I get born again. Maybe, just maybe, we can start having a revival now instead of waiting for God to pour out something extra special because he already did when I got born again. Maybe, just maybe, it's possible. Well, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says that he has blessed us. He has given unto us. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where? In Christ. The the Chad and Jake version. I I did this with Jake years ago when he was little. This is the Chad and Jake version. Everything heaven has to offer, he gave it to me in Christ. In other words, when I got into him, everything that heaven has, it, it, it became given unto me in him and given to me at my disposal to you. That means at any given time, wherever I'm at, whatever situation I'm faced with, I literally have on the inside of me at my disposal what's needed in that situation. That's why in one sense, and please understand, but in one sense, I'm not even focused on a particular gift of the Spirit. Because I know because I have the giver of the gifts, I can potentially operate in all nine of them if I need to. I'm not focused on one apple when I have the whole apple tree available. And if he's the, the giver of the gifts, the dispenser of the gifts, he knows what's necessary and needed in that particular situation. And so, again, fellowship, if I learn to look to him and listen to him and, and depend on him, then in any given situation, whatever's needed, if it's needed, and I listen and I obey, it'll be there. See, we've got this idea of, well, you know, uh, for, for, for blind people to be healed, well, you need someone that's got a special anointing for blind people. And you need someone with a special anointing for, you know, deaf people. And you need a special anointing for, you know, cancer and all this type of stuff. But it's funny that you don't see Jesus talk like that. When he sent out the 12 disciples, he said, I, This authority that, that this I have, I give it unto you. I give you authority over, over all demons, all sickness and disease. Go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. He didn't give them a formula. He didn't give them a methodology. He said, go do it. What I have, I give it to you. Go do it. Yeah. He didn't give them steps and keys and ABCs and 1, 2, 3s. Mm-hmm. Why? Because if he would have gave them steps and keys and 1, 2, 3s, they would have turned it to a work and a religion. Yes. And now all they would be doing is trying to work steps. Kind of sounds like today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then when he sent out the 70, he did the very same thing. He didn't, he didn't walk up to Peter and say, Peter, I'm giving you anointing for cancer." John, I'm giving you a special anointing for tuberculosis. And, and, and you know, and, and James, I'm giving you a special anointing for, you know, COVID-74. <laughs> he didn't do that. Now, in the world today, the church world today, we've done that. You know why? Because it excuses me right. from setting someone free because I don't have what I need to set them free. That doesn't sound like Jesus. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't say that there's certain, certain, certain healing anointings for, for different people when you go. Because what happens if, if I don't have a, a certain anointing for blind people and a blind person comes to me? Sorry, buddy. Let me go to my Rolodex of people with certain anointings and let me see if I can find somebody that specializes in blind people. And until I find that person, sorry, you're just going to have to deal with it. That doesn't sound like my Jesus. Remember, Ephesians chapter 1, 15 through 21, at the end of there, he said, the church, which is the fullness of him, that fills all and all. Yes, there is the, the collective church as a whole, but you are also the church.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Wherever you go, you are the body of Christ. You have to see yourself that in, in whatever situation that you're in, if it's just you, there's more than enough. If all it is is you, you are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus in that particular situation to set the captive free. Amen. You have to see yourself as the deliverer. You have to see yourself as the connector between God and man in that situation. Amen. You have to see yourself that way. You can't see yourself as deficient because if you see yourself as deficient, you're not going to be able to help it. You have to know who you are and who you're connected to. I like to, to think of myself like a set of jumper cables. You know, you get a jump, set of jumper cables and you put them on the ground and they're no good if they're not connected to anything. And that's the way that I am. I am worthless if I'm not connected to Him. But I get one end of that and I connect it to Him. Clamp it onto that live battery, Him, on the throne of God. And then I get that, this other end and I, and I put it on the, 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 the battery that needs a little life, needs a little jolt. And I'm just being the connector. It's all that I am. Without Him, I'm worthless. Without Him, nothing. But see, this is again it's what Jesus said in John 15. If you abide in me, now I abide in you. You know, the vine and the branch. I challenge you, go outside, find a tree, and show me where, where the, 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 the differentiating mark of where the, the trunk stops and the branch starts. You can't. Why? They're so divinely connected. Yes, there's individual pieces. You see the roots and the trunk and you see the branches and the twigs and the leaves. You see all the individual pieces, but when you step back, it's a tree. Right. And you and I, we are those branches. We are those twigs. Big branches, little branches, but we're divinely connected to Him. Amen. See, I look at it like this, that, that in, my, in my praise, my worship, my devotion, we're two. My dependency, we're two. When it comes to life and ministry, we're one. We're one. I have to see myself. But that's why Paul was was talking the way he did. All these in Christ realities. In Him we live, we move, we have our being. As you have received Him, now walk in Him. You have to see yourself from that position. You have to see that your hands are quite literally His hands in that particular situation. You have to see it that way. The more that you see him in you, the more you'll see you in... Remember, anybody know who John Osteen was? Most people know Joel Osteen, but John Osteen is dad. John Osteen told this powerful story. He said, uh, he said, I was a Baptist minister, and he said, I just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and kind of gotten kicked out of, of that particular group. And He said, I started kind of going through these scriptures and seeing these things about who you are in Christ. And He said, one night I went to sleep and I had this dream and he said, In this dream, I was standing in a dark alley. And he said, In this dark alley, there was a man who jumped out. And he put a gun, pointed his gun at me, and told me, He said, Give me all your, give me all your stuff in your pockets. And he said, Immediately, Jesus appeared standing in between me and the robber. And he said, Then Jesus started taking a step back. He kept stepping back, and then he stepped into me. And the moment he stepped into me, I said in the name of Jesus, the guy dropped the gun and he took off running. And he said, I woke up and in that moment, he said, I got some clarity about what it means for Christ to be in me. That we are we're not separate, we're, we're one. We're one. Came down to this union producing a possession. Anybody ever heard of T.L. Osborne? Okay, anybody, okay." okay? So, T.O. Osborne was, was this great uh, evangelist, had these massive crusades and stuff. Well, there was another guy that he was a mentor to him, and his name was F.F. F. Bosworth. And there's a book called Christ the Healer. Have you ever heard of that book, Christ the Healer? You and me? Okay. So, this guy, F.F. Bosworth, you got F.F. F. and T.L. And F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth wrote this book called Christ the Healer. And there's a chapter in there, it's a very small chapter, it's on the life of God. Now, F.F. F. Bosworth, he called T.O. Osborne. F.F. Bosworth was 83 years old, and he called T.O. Osborne, and he said, I want you to come to my house and pray with me. And so T.R. Osborne and Daisy, they go to his house, and they walk in the door, and they said that F.F. Bosworth, who was his preacher, and been preaching on these things for a while, he's laying on his bed, has a, has a pillow behind his head, has his, his Bible on his bed, and he said, the reason I called you guys here, because you're the only ones I know that, that I knew could come and pray with me and wouldn't think I was crazy. He said, I've been preaching about the life of God, talking about the life of God for so long. I have so much of it in my body. My body won't let me go. And I'm ready to go to heaven. Yes. And he said, I wanted you to come here and help me pray it out.
1: <laughs>
0: now, I would encourage you to go in and if you don't know who these people are. Go research and you'll find out what some of the mighty, mighty, mighty miracles that happened in their lives. And it's not a very known story, but he said, I want you to help me pray it out. So they prayed for a couple of hours in, in, in the Spirit, and, and at the end of, they got done with that. And Eva Bosworth stopped them, and he said, Guys, we're almost there, but not yet. Come back tomorrow. The next day they come, and they, they, they pick back up. They're praying. And he stopped them, and he said, We're really close, but we're not there. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> so the third day they showed up, and, and TL and Daisy, they began to pray, and they're praying for a while. And, and at some point in there, Evan Bosworth stopped them. And he said, Guys, we're there. And he closed his eyes, put his head back and he was gone. But I want you to listen to what he said. He said, I have so much of it in me, because I've been talking about it, I've been thinking about it for so long, I have so much of it in me, it won't let me go. I have to get it out. Well we just read right right there in Romans chapter 8 and verse 10 and 11 that your spirit is life because of righteousness and because of that position changing. Now there's a possession changing of the same spirit who raised Jesus from there, giving that life to your mortal body. But in a few verses before that, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, he said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life, Zoe, the life of God, and peace. To have your mind on spiritual things, a heavenly perspective, it produces life, and it produces peace, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And it's not only for you, but to see, as a spirit being united with him, you're already whole. Mm -hmm. You're already at peace with God. This is about your body. This is about your brain. This is about your, this physical thing right here. God loves you enough. He not only saved you so you could go to heaven, but he also gave you something so you could experience heaven in your body. Amen. Guys, again, remember, we pointed out this morning. If Moses, now, now see, here, here's the connector. There's a reason Moses was able to live out all his days. No sickness, no disease. Come on, that life was in his body. Now, I, I, I rarely say these type of things. This is just my opinion. So I, I'm not saying you can count on it. It's just my opinion. I'm not preaching it, just my opinion. But the Bible says that, that God, he took the body of Moses and he hid it. And Satan was contending with the angel for that body. I, this is just my opinion. My, my opinion is, is Satan wanted that thing for two reasons. Number one, because he knew the people would worship it. But number two, this is just my opinion. I think there's so much of, of that life in that body. People would have looked to it for healing. And the reason that, that's my opinion is because of what pastor just said right here. Because remember when the dead man fell into the pit, fell into the bones? Was it Elisha or Elisha? Elisha. Elisha. Fell into those bones. Jumped up alive. There was something that got out of his spirit, him, and got into the body. And was still in those bones. There was something in the spirit of Moses that got into that body. There was something in Jesus that got into that body. There's something in you that's in there to get into your body. So the whole point of all this is this. It's already there. Healing comes down to this. You just need to get that life into the body. Because God already gave it to you. So see what it does is it eliminates this thing of God holding out of you. Because he already gave it to you. And that would would help you make better sense of 1 Peter 2.24. By the stripes of Jesus, you were already healed. He already gave you the power that you've been looking for. See, when you got saved, he he brought the whole U-Haul. When you got born again, in the spirit, there was a beep,
1: beep, beep,
0: beep, beep. It was back it up, back it up, back it up. And he dumped all of himself on the inside of you. You are, see, these are truths that we know. We know all the puzzle pieces, but it's high time we put the puzzle together. I'm the temple of God. Mm -hmm. It's God living on the inside of me. Even that right there, think about it, friend. Even that piece right there, if we just grabbed a hold of that, how can God be in me, but his power not be there? You mean God moved on the inside of me, but he left his power in heaven? You cannot separate him and his power. That's right. See, this is why I talk about it from this standpoint because it crosses all denominational lines. It doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Episcopalian. We all believe that when you receive Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of you. God comes to live on the inside of you. If He's there, His power is there too. That's right. That's right. Amen. It's not that I'm trying to figure out how to get it, it's here. It's in me. But you can see. How, how other religions have twisted that. Because in other religions, I'm my own God. I have everything I need because I'm my... You know, Oprah would talk about that. I mean, I love Oprah, but you know. But other religions, they believe that. But it's just, it's twisting. It's counterfeit to the real things of God. The reality is I'm not God, but He's in me. And because He is in me, Everything that I need. But see Jesus alluded to it. He says the father on the inside of me. That's doing the. You've got the giver of the gifts on the inside of you. You've got the creator of the universe on the inside of you. And if he is there all that he has is right there. And the same power that would heal a snotty nose. It'll take care of a cancer. It'll take care of a genetic disease. Come on. It'll take care of Down syndrome. It'll take care of. (coughs) Whatever is there, rightness will always right the wrong. Rightness, the light of God, will always overcome the darkness. Always. Always. So this is what we're going to do tonight. How many of you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Alright? So if Jesus is your Savior, that means, and we've got a late responder. So he just got saved. So if Jesus is your savior, <laughs> that means God. <laughs> 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 late glimmer God is on the inside of you and if he's there his life is there yeah. right. dead raising power is literally on the inside of you let me put it to you like this we should be just as confident in offering healing as we do forgiveness yeah.
1: That's right. true. we
0: should be just as confident in offering healing as we are salvation mm-hmm. isn't it interesting when Jesus gave the great commission, he said go preach this gospel preach the kingdom these signs will follow. That word signs in the Greek, it literally means this to authenticate the message and the messenger. And did you notice that those signs are pretty much all four physical things casting out devils, healing the sick, if you drink anything deadly, touch anything, you know, will not harm you, snake try to bite you, will not harm you. These are physical proofs for a spiritual truth. We must be just as confident as offering. How many of you. You know, if someone's trying to sell you something that they can talk to you about and all the benefits, but at some point, you want them to show you the proof. Right. At some point, shut up. Just show me it works.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, you used to have the vacuum cleaner salesman that would go door to door. I was old enough to remember that. They'd show up. They'd throw wine on your carpet, dote on your carpet, before you could even say anything.
1: <laughs> well, you,
0: you better fix that. <laughs> And as long as that thing worked, you're like, wow, okay, I'll buy that. You know, for, for 50 payments of, you know, $500 a month. Yeah. Because there was proof. Jesus gave us proof. Mm-hmm. He gave us proof. But what have we done as a church? We've relied on our creativity. Yeah. We've relied on our money. Mm-hmm. We've relied on, on our natural resources. We have not, re- we have not truly relied on the spiritual equipment god has given us why are you getting quiet wow. we're, su- we're supposed to be accessing some things we're supposed to be releasing some things because we're possessors of some things we're possessors of things so we should be releasing it and, and you know the wonderful thing is, is that the life of god it doesn't care about race it doesn't get even care if you're saved or not oh there's a touchy one You don't don't have to be saved to be healed by God. You realize every single person Jesus healed was a sinner. Every single person in the Old Testament was a sinner. All sinners. All sinners. And that healing power flowed freely into their body. See, because it's not about the spirit, it's about the body. It just needs to get into the body. Well, if it would flow freely into the body of a sinner, it will surely flow freely into the body of a saint. Amen. That means you don't have to get good enough for it to flow in your body. Why? Because if it's a proof for the sinner, it's a reality for the believer. Amen. It works. So what we're going to do? I want you. We've been talking about this. I want you to just put your mind on that thing. What's on the inside of you? I like. I really do like to look at Romans chapter eight verse eleven. Really like an IV. That that like I'm like an IV. There's an IV hooked up to God and it's hooked up to me and it's just a constant drip. Drip, 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 continual drip, drip, drip of the life of God just flowing into me. You know when I go, if, I, if I'm in that hospital and laying in that bed, I don't have to do anything but just stay connected. All I gotta do is rest. See, faith is a R-E-S-E-T. It's a rest. I'm trying to get you to stop being so serious. It's a rest. It's a rest. It's a rest. I just lay there and I abide, yeah. I dwell, yeah. connected, yep. and as long as I stay connected, as long as I abide, all that he is, drip, 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 you're such a disruption in the service, <laughs> so <Some> disrespect, <laughs> drip, 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 see sometimes we get too serious, because see, we think we you've got to be very serious for God to move,
1: right, <laughs>
0: Oh, God's a god of joy. It's just a constant drip, 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 drip of the life of God flowing on the inside of me. Yeah. The life of God flowing on the inside of me. And friend, I'm telling you, the more that you know, the more it'll flow. That'd be a good tweet for you. <laughs> just drip, 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 drip. Life, 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 life. Life of God flowing on the inside of me. The life of God flowing on the inside of me. The life of God flowing on the inside of you. Why? Because it's already there. I'm not trying to get it. I don't have to try to work to try to get it. I just need to know that it's there. See, it eliminates the work and it puts me back into grace. Amen. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I'm living in this flesh, I'm living by faith in him. Who died and gave his, his life on me. I will not set aside the grace of God. I will not set it aside. I will not step out of it. I will not start looking to me. And as a result, step out of grace. As long as I'm looking at me, I've stepped out. And as long as I'm looking at me, I'm going to be frustrated, tired, ticked off, mad, questioning things. I've got to get my eyes back on him. Isn't it interesting that Peter... Let, oh, let me me give this example. Remember the story, it's in Numbers chapter 21 about the bronze serpent? You ever read that? If you haven't, just act like you have, shake your hand. So in Numbers Numbers chapter 21, the the Israelites, they sin. They're murmuring, complaining, because they don't have to cook their meals, and they're mad about it. And God's just providing for them supernaturally every day, and they're just mad about it. They should have died, all of them. (laughs) Good thing I wasn't God. Just kill them all. Kill them all. (laughs) And these serpents show up. We're going to get you out of here. These serpents show up. And they start biting people. And they start dying. And God tells Moses. He said, I want you to make a bronze serpent. I want you to put it on a pole. And he said, tell the people. As long as they keep their gaze on that serpent on a pole. Anyone who's been bitten, they'll live. Now I want you to think about something. The reason they're in that predicament is because they sinned. But God said, as long as you'll keep your gaze on the pole. He didn't even have him confess anything. He didn't have him roll up to the priest and pull back the window and say, Father. They didn't do it. That was a joke. He didn't make him do anything. <laughs> he said, as long as you just keep your gaze on that serpent. That bronze serpent. See, there's a reason he didn't put a bronze lamb. He put a bronze serpent. Why? That serpent was a type of shadow. Jesus would become the curse on that cross. He would become a curse. He would become sin. He would become sickness. He would become disease. And he said, you tell them to keep their gaze. See, God wasn't denying that they were snakes. He wasn't denying that people are being bitten. He's not denying that blood's running down their legs and their arms. He wasn't telling them to deny the circumstances. What he was telling them, if you'll change your perspective, if you'll change your gaze, if you'll change your consciousness, that regardless of what you feel crawling all over you, regardless of what you feel biting you right now, if you'll just keep your gaze right there, if you'll just keep your consciousness and awareness of that, regardless of what's biting you and causing blood, regardless of what's going on, if you'll just keep your gaze there, you won't die. You won't die. See, it wasn't about them doing anything, working anything, it was about them changing their perspective. It's about them changing their perspective. It's about them changing their perspective. Changing their perspective. Looking at a bronze serpent that would represent what Jesus would do on the cross. But you and I have been called by God, commanded by God to do the very same thing. Except we're not looking at a bronze serpent. And we're not even looking at Jesus on the cross. We're looking at the glorified Christ seated at the right hand of God. That's what I'm gazing at. Because that's the way that I am. That's the way that I am. Seated at the right hand of God. He made me to sit down at His right hand. The reason He made us to sit down is because some of you knuckle nuts would think you weren't good enough and try to get back up. He made you to sit down. He said, sit there. Because I made you good enough. Sit there. I need to look at that man to determine who I am. I don't care about the prognosis, the diagnosis, doesn't matter if you've got two weeks to live, ten years to live, doesn't matter if the doctor said, I can't do anything for you, I'm sorry. We've done the best that we can. I'm not looking at the report. I'm not looking at how I feel. I'm not looking at what I can do. I'm, I'm keeping my gaze on him. Yep. Now, it's a lot easier said than done. Because everything out here, there's all these voices screaming at you. Your body's screaming at you. You're in pain. Don't you know you're in pain? Your body's screaming at you. Your your, your heart's hurting. Your body's screaming at you. You can't walk. Your body's screaming at you. You've got arthritis. You've got ribbons. Your body's screaming at you. All these voices telling you, you're going to die. You're going to die. Nothing's going to change. It's absolutely impossible. He didn't say deny those things. He said change your gaze. Change your perspective. Put your imaginations on these things. That was Paul's prayer. He said, Father, enlighten. Give them wisdom and revelation. Enlighten them. Enlighten them. Enlighten them. In reality, that word there is talking about your imagination. He said, Give them wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of you. That the eyes of their understanding, that word understanding, it literally in the Greek is talking about your imagination. He said, Father, enlighten their imagination. And light give light to their imagination. And you contrast that with Ephesians chapter 4. When he said don't walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. With their understanding being darkened. Alienated from the life of God. Notice their imaginations darkened. <laughs> alienated. Separated. <laughs> cut off from that life. Yeah. That shows you that your soul. Your thoughts. Your imagination Have a major play. And the what's in you flowing into your body. That your soul is basically like the dam. That's going to dam up what's in you or release what's in you. What's your mind on? What has your affections? What has your imagination? What has your consciousness? What has you? That's what will move you. Well, what's on the inside of you is this precious life. It's eternal, abundant, everlasting, death-raising, cancer-killing life. Genetic-changing, DNA-changing life. It's on the inside of you. Now what we're going to do is we're going to release it to everybody else. So if there's somebody in here, you waited this long, if there's somebody in here, people in here, you got some situations still going on in your body? You need some light, some dead raising power, and some, some cells, some organs, some, some brains, some spines, some knees. You know? You need some life in there? We're going to put some life in there. And you don't have to come up here. We're going to come to you. And you don't have to get the the shakes or anything like that. We're just going to lay our hands on you. See, I found this out. And I mean, thank God for all those type of things. It's fun and dandy and this this type of stuff. But you know what? I found this out. You You don't have to put on something to make something happen. When you know what you have, you don't need a bunch of theatrics. I've seen a lot of people, man, they're putting on a show. What are they doing? They're trying to convince themselves it's going to work.
1: Yeah,
0: I <laughs> and you don't, need to, you don't need to give a mini-sermon either. Because most of the time when we minister to other people, most of the time we're giving a mini-sermon. Yeah. We're trying to convince ourselves what we got our hands on that it's going to happen. You'll find that with Jesus, the longest, longest statement that he gave to someone was nine words. Yep. That's true. <laughs> it's not about how long you talk. It's about the authority that you use. So come on, who, who here, just raise your hand, not to call anybody, but who here has some stuff going on in your body? All right. So quite a, quite a few of us. All right, let me ask you, is there anybody in here that's healed? Could you just raise your hand? Okay, so I'm just joking. So, the, the, <laughs> okay, well, I mean, James said, if there, if there happens to be anybody sick in the church, you know, call for the elders of the church. Today, the question is, is there any, is anybody healed? Okay. That's a joke. It's just, it's, just, it's just where we are. All right, so those of you that raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand, Got some stuff going on in your body. All right, So those of you that didn't raise your hand, I want you to find somebody. Keep your hands up. Everybody's got your hands raised. All right? So, so those of you that don't have your hands raised, I want you to go and find somebody.